Well, welcome to The Shelf Life. This is a new podcast, and it's a look at library and literary life in the Tuscross Valley. I'm here with Josh All, who's the producer of this show, and my name is Jim Gill. I'm the director of the Dover Public Library. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Podcast with the Dover Public Library. Yeah. Looking forward to this. This is something new. We have talked about ways to get our name out there more in untraditional ways, and the library, I think, has done a great job with traditional ways, with uh, print media and good old newsletters and good old uh, gr- uh, grassroots marketing efforts. And But I, I was intrigued by the idea of this podcast as a way to not just promote what's going on at the library. That, yes, that's what my, that's what I'm, I'm ultimately, uh, the, what ultimately the goal is, but there's a big literary scene in Tuscarawas County. And I thought we could cover all kinds of things, all kinds of topics, author events, um, literary events throughout the Tuscross Valley. So that's kind of my, my vision for this, Josh. I like it because I, I admit I'm not up to speed with all the literary um, culture and the events in the, in the area. So this will be really informative for me. I can't wait to learn all kinds of new stuff. Yeah, I think in general, when people think the library, they think books. Right. Well, and that's still our bread and butter. And any library will tell you that is the cornerstone of what they do. But we have certainly evolved over time. And, you know, my, my vision for our library is to be the front porch of the community. So, and this is really hard in the age of COVID-19 to be that and to mm-hmm. do that because of uh, restrictions on gathering sizes and programs and events. A lot of what we do, and I've been there, shoot, 11 years at Dover. A lot of it has been program oriented. So quality collection for circulation of the public. But we, we, we tried to reach out to new people by having programs and events that, um, that they're interested in, from author events to story times, that type of thing. So it's been hard in light of uh, what's going on. Yeah, COVID, um, it really does. Everything's restricted. The, the in-person stuff, everybody coming to the library and the kind of events that you guys have done in the past, you know, that stuff all had to be put on hold. So yeah. digital means of communication, like a podcast or something, you know, Facebook Lives and, you know, live streaming events and things like that have kind well, of become the norm now. Yeah, we do... Uh, we have resurrected programming, of course, but it's the age of virtual programming using Zoom and Facebook Live, mm-hmm. and it's, it's nice to have another outlet like um, podcast as a medium. Um, a little a little bit about COVID, if you don't mind, Josh. Yeah, go for it. Libraries are open. They are functioning. You know, We all went through our little shutdown and hiccup um, mid-March. March 16th, we had a staff meeting where we informed the staff, we're closing. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy time. It was one of those 9-11 type moments. I remember on 9-11, I was working at the New Philly Library. We were getting open for the day and getting things set. And then we heard the news and it was it was just, I'll never forget it. And the courthouse closed and everybody was closing. The internet was not working. <laughs> we just decided to close the library and we walked out of the door not knowing what was going to happen. And it felt like that at that staff meeting on March 16th of this year, not knowing what was going to happen. We furloughed over a dozen staff um, shut down the library out of safety uh, concerns and precautions. And then on May 12th, we were able to uh, offer curbside service. So patrons could reserve materials, call us, we'd pull them, they'd come around the back of the library and we'd put them in their trunk in a bag, that type of thing, wearing masks and gloves and everything. Yep. Um, like Dick's, like Bueller's, like all kinds of retail places have, have, have done. And then on July 1st, we were able to open to the public with, of course, the usual um, 
restrictions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. Come to the library for an hour and try to and leave, which is hard for us because we want people to usually to come to the library and just stay all day to drink coffee and linger. Now it's you got to come do your business and go. And we're still under that right now. Um, of course, the acrylic shields everywhere and <laughs> social distancing and all that. But the biggest change is when people return their books. We don't they don't return them inside the library. They use one of our two outdoor book returns, book drops, we call them. And then we quarantine those for four days. So every library across the country is doing this. Now, there has been a study done by the CDC and uh, by Battelle Institute, I think it's called, in Columbus, which is a, a research place. And they are actually studying how COVID lingers and how long it lasts on not just generic materials like a table like this, but on specific library uh, materials. So a library book, a DVD um, a magazine, how it lasts on paper. It's been interesting. So and we've been told anywhere between four and seven days we need to, or three and seven days to quarantine items. We're at four days right now. Um, and so when you return things in the book drop, it stays on your account for four days. And then uh, we check them in day by day. So today, for example, we did a book drop from four days ago. Did you find yourself doing a whole lot of research you never planned to do during a the quarantine and everything. Well, that's the beauty of a small library. <laughs> I, I might be fixing a toilet one day. I might be on a podcast <laughs> the other day. Yeah. I might be researching uh, viruses the next day and <laughs> adapting that to our library. That's why I love uh, working in the, in the Tuscarawas Valley and Dover and, specific, and uh, specifically uh, because you never know what's going to happen. And it's, uh, the variety is awesome. I get to work with the public um, and you have challenges like this. And, mm-hmm. But we've seen opportunities out of this. It, the silver lining of COVID. There are certainly silver linings. That's what I've been saying this whole time is, you know, you can either look at it as, oh, well, you know, this disrupted my life or gave me an opportunity to find something new. I wouldn't be grow. here, Josh, if it wasn't for COVID-19. I don't think I would be either. <laughs> I don't think we'd be sitting at this table no. doing this podcast. So reinvent yourself. For example, we found, like we mentioned Zoom programs and yep. Facebook Live. You know, we have so many of our patrons who come to these author events are senior citizens. And when we have a room of 150 people, it's hard to hear and see. But Zoom, they're learning new skills. It's amazing. Amazing the number of people who have, are willing and eager and able to learn this new technology. You just learn. You just do it. And they have a front row seat, great audio, great uh, visual yep. of a program, of an author. Um, so it's been a good thing. That's an example of one way that's been incredible. Um, using Facebook Live for our story times, for example. We can't have... 30 kids and parents in a room, but we've been inviting local celebrities to come to the library and record a Facebook live story times from, we had Percy Gardner one yeah, time. I saw his. Yeah. yeah he's, he was very good. And of course, uh, um, Orvis Campbell, the, the sheriff. Yeah. Great. Orvis. Yep. He was, uh, the, the, probably the, the biggest draw. People love Orvis, by the way. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been fun. We have county commissioners and other local celebrities. It was a new way to engage the public. Yeah. I mean, just to go off your example of like the senior citizens learning new things. I mean, my grandpa did, I can't tell you how many uh, virtual doctor's appointments. And for what he had to see the doctor for, it was a convenience because he didn't have to make the trip up to Canton however many different times. Just logged on his phone, pulled up the app and he was done. So pretty cool. Well, this podcast, I think it's going to be a fun adventure. I I see us inviting uh, local authors talking about their books yeah, inviting a New York Times bestselling authors that we have contact with and our connections with 
to join us by phone or if they're in the area to, to pop in in the studio. Wouldn't it be fun? Yeah, and that's the beauty of, of everything we have set up here is, you know, if somebody's in the area, they can come in physically and we can do an episode or, you know, a podcast or we can get them on the on a Zoom call and just phone them in. Okay. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, just some other things going on at the library, if you don't mind. I thought yeah. we'd run down those. You know, it's spooky time, Halloween season. Yeah. So, you know, we do all kinds of fun things. We, If you saw downtown Dover over the weekend, we had our haunted hunt. It was basically a socially distanced monster hunt throughout downtown Dover. So it was fun. It was safe. Uh, We had beautiful weather. We were blessed with that. That was for kids. Coming up, we do our spooky story times on Fridays at 7 o'clock on Facebook Live. Uh, So log into the library's uh, Facebook page, and you can have spooky stories leading up through the month of uh, through the month of October. Um, a couple other things I wanted to mention. Tonight, actually, we're doing a Poe one-man show. So John Keist lives in New Philly. He has He's always in the paper around Halloween every year because he has the spookiest, creepiest house decorated for Halloween. Okay. So he's kind of famous for that. Well, he's also one of the most famous Edgar Allan Poe, I guess, impersonators. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So he goes to events around the, the country and has been to Baltimore where Poe is from, of course. And was the official Poe, I guess, one time, that type of thing. So he's going to talk about the origins of Halloween and talk about um, Edgar Allan Poe's and his, Edgar Allan Poe and his um, legacy as a as a literary star. And he's actually going to do a, a first person reading of the Mask of the Red Death, which is one of his famous stories. Now that would be a good podcast episode too. Yeah, we <laughs> could have John come. That's yeah, a good absolutely. Idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, we'll mark that down for down the road. Another thing we're doing, we are having author Andrew Welsh Huggins on October 26th. He is an author of a mystery series set in Columbus, Ohio. But he, what he's going to talk about using Zoom is his book that he edited called Columbus Noir. He is a longtime author, but also an AP news reporter in the Columbus area. So he is going to write, he edited a book on the gritty, blue collar, not so popular areas of Columbus and stories written in those settings. So the book is called Columbus Noir. And so that's going to be an exciting journey. Yeah. Spooky stuff around Halloween. I tell you what, we didn't do a a Bigfoot program this fall. Usually Bigfoot programs are huge in the month of October. What's a Bigfoot program? Bigfoot about Sasquatches. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, we have Bigfoot hunters come in and those bring the most people and they're (laughs) fun. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so we are in the Tuscarawas Valley, so maybe next October we'll have a Bigfoot hunter on the podcast, maybe. I think we should. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What else do we have? Oh, we have, this is a fun one. Now, my wife, and I I will admit, I grew up liking this movie, The Princess Bride. I had older sisters, so we were always watching it. But that is a cult classic. Yes, it is. It came out in the 80s. Uh, We're having a program called The Making of the Princess Bride. So the story behind the movie and why it has resonated so many years later. So that is on October 22nd at 6.30 p.m. Again, we're going to use Zoom for that as well. One last one I wanted to plug. Uh, we are having Chris Hart. If you know that name, he was the resident historian at Roscoe Village, historic Roscoe Village. But he's locally, he's just been all over the place presenting living history programs. And so what we usually have him do when he's at the library in better pre-COVID days, was yeah. he would pick someone who was a part of a, of a historical event. It's not necessarily George Washington or some iconic person, but someone oftentimes, an everyday person who was in an extraordinary situation just by chance. Okay, and he that's presents, interesting. Yeah, and he presents that first person in his point of view. So Chris Hart is going to uh, present, this one, of course, is a, 
a little different. This is more literary. Sleepy Hollow Revisited. So he is going to portray Ichabod Crane 20 years after he disappeared, looking back on that day. That really? Yeah. Okay. So a good spooky little story time uh, presentation about the, the uh, legend of Sleepy Hollow. And that, again, is on November 2nd at 6.30 on Facebook Live. So all this stuff is on the library's website. Uh, look for it on Facebook, on the website, things like that. I like that lineup. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that, all that stuff sounds right up my alley. Yeah. So I'll, check your local library. Uh, all libraries are doing some virtual some virtual programming probably in some way. Um, Dover is what I know best because I work there and I'm passionate <laughs> about it. But all your local libraries, there are five library systems in the county. So there's not, we are not a branch of the Tuscarawas County system. They ha They are the big county system but there are four other systems. And so we, we are an independent public library. So there's Tuscarawas County Public Library, there's the Dover, there's Claymont, and Newcomerstown, and then Janine Hutton has her own public, public library. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so you think of them as school districts, basically. Okay, yep. They, a lot of them have boundaries that are based on the school district where they reside. So for example, our boundaries are the Dover City School District. So we work with the school on a lot of things. Just okay. in case you're wondering about how that works in library land, nobody cares as long as they get their books and their <laughs> have their programs. But you know, in my world, it's uh, those are the little details, and it's fun to work with them on various projects and and um, things like that. Yeah, it's still interesting. I mean, you know, especially when you're just referring to a different library, you know, this one or that one, just to kind of understand how they're different. Yeah. So I'll never forget uh, when I worked in New Philly, Tuscarawas County Public Library. I worked there ten years, and I'll never. And the whole Dover New Philly thing is very interesting. Even in libraries, you know, <laughs> I'll never forget. I was working the reference desks at New Philly, and I got a call on a Thursday night. It was we closed at I think eight, and it was like seven thirty. And the guy wanted the name of the president of the Dover East Elementary PTA. That's the Parent Teacher Association. Okay. And that's not the type of stuff that's on a website because it turns over every year, probably that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, well, I, here's the number for the school. That's all I have at this point. Uh, we can look into it more tomorrow. I could call the school and find out for you, that type of thing. He just let me have it. He's like, you must not be from Dover because we don't quit in Dover, is what he said. <laughs> and now I work at the Dover and I, I still hear uh Flack from jump for jumping the river, I guess you, you say, yeah. but it's it's just all good fun. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> it's crazy because it's such a a division and it's such a rivalry, but in reality, it's one big town. Yeah, you know, it's true. It's it's crazy. And it's interesting hearing people's perspective who come from away. Now, yeah. I grew up in Beach City, and so our big rival was I went to Fairless High School was Tuslaw. So just looking, even myself looking at the Dover New Philly thing, it's been intriguing. Then people who who move or come from a way away, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, the, uh, big cities, uh, east, west coast, they just kind of scratch your head. But I think that's part of the charm of the valley. We have those little things that uh, yep. we are so passionate about. Yep. I've lived here my whole life and there's still areas that I'm like, am I in Dover Philly right now? I don't even know, you know, yeah. around that border. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I love it though. All good stuff. Oh yeah. Um, a couple other things I, I, I think the public needs to know about Josh and, um, and we talk about the impact of COVID on mm -hmm. libraries. And uh, one other way that I, th I saw libraries and communities adapting was through the movement of the Little Free Library. Have you? Do you know what that is, the no. Little Free Library mm -hmm. movement? Okay. So the idea of it is 
it's a free exchange of library books is how it started. So you may have seen these around the community. There's one at Tuscora Park. There's one at Dover Park. There's one on the library property. They're throughout Tuscarawas County. Okay. And it, there is a nonprofit group called Little Free Library. And the idea of it is to create and build a book box. It looks like a birdhouse, honestly, with a door. And the idea of it is you give a book, take a book. And so when libraries weren't open... This was big. People oh, yeah. had no access to materials. And so we, we were frequently stocking our little free library. <laughs> and then it was interesting to see with, I mean, there were people not having access to food. I mean, there were a lot of issues early on in this yeah. pandemic, you yeah. know. And so these little free libraries kind of evolved and became um, means of goodwill. We saw people putting food in there, non-perishable really? goods, crafts for kids, toys for kids. It was just remarkable to see. Um, there's another way of, of libraries kind of reinventing themselves through the little free library movement. So next time you go by the library on 6th Street, looking for this little wood box on a post or you're at Tuscora Park mm -hmm. or, or wherever you're at, they're, they're sprinkled throughout the county. There's actually a website where, with a map where you can see all of them across the world. But anyways, that was a I cool, did not cool know story. about that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like we say all the time in here, talking to different people. This community is, it blows my mind um, just how good of a community this is. Yeah, it is. It's remarkable and the way they rally around yeah. uh, good causes and help people in need and all that good stuff. But um, what else? I was going to talk about one more thing. Oh, plastic. Let's talk plastic right now. Okay. This is crazy. So there's a gentleman named Eric Reap, and you may know that name. He's a, um, he lives in Tuscross County, is a big environmental guy, and is a good library patron to many libraries. I remember him as a regular when I worked at New Philly, and he's a regular at Dover here. Okay. And so he he came in one day with a clipping out of Parade Magazine. That's that little insert that's in the Sunday paper. It's a little tabloid-looking thing. Well, there was a story about a school in Indiana that was part of something called the ABC Promise Partnership. That's a mouthful. But what it is is a way to engage kids to spearhead the collection of plastic caps and lids from the community. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what, where am I going with this? Well, the idea of this is to teach and mentor youth about the responsible use of plastics and about uh, why we need to recycle, why we need to take care, take care of the earth, all that little things and start with a young age. And so that they, uh, you know, and like the Bible says, you train up your child so they know the way they don't depart from the right or the left, that scripture. Sure. You know, and so that idea is let's train our kids to re respect the earth and to respect um the, the importance of taking care of it. And so the idea of let's do a community plastic cap and a lid drive. Let's get 200 pounds of that. Do you know how much a water bottle cap weighs? No, I don't, but it can't be much. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of it is we need a lot of them. Yeah. Probably geez. a pickup load as we are estimating. So we're asking really? the community to bring in uh, your, save your plastic caps and lids, make sure they're clean, bring them into the library. And so we are, are collecting them right now. The idea of this is those 200 pounds will be weighed and sorted by the kids. And then we will ship them to Indiana to the uh, Green Tree Plastics factory. They will grind them up, extrude them into uh, a, a bench that is made out of the actual recycled plastic that we brought in from the community. So it's a neat way of renew, uh, re repurposing um, that. The plastic caps and lids are actually a different type of plastic. Now, I could be wrong if the, someone from the uh, <laughs> joint waste uh, thing is listening to me. I could be wrong. But it's a different type of plastic than your water bottle, your number one and number two water bottles, like for example. Okay. So it's it has to be um, dealt with differently. And so it solves a problem that uh, that it 
puts those to use. And the idea is to make that bench, then the bench we put on the library grounds. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, we're asking the community to be a part of, of that if they're interested. I think that's a really good, um, it is a good way to teach kids at a young age about taking care of the earth because it is um, something they can actually watch happen. So then they'll remember that, right? So we collected these bottle casts. We helped with this project and this bench came from that. Yeah. You know, it's like that tangible like result. Yes. Absolutely. Of their efforts. And right now with 2020 was how weird it has been. It's okay. We had, of course, the pandemic, you have social unrest, you have the election, you have no sports. Yeah shutdowns, economic, well, it's a weird year, right? Yeah. And so this is one way that we can all be intentional about what we've been blessed with. The, even the ability to go buy a Gatorade, right, from the convenience store. Save that cap. That's a one way to teach and even adults, and it's really impacted my life because I, got my, I have my whole family now saving caps now, and it's, it makes me think about the waste. And as you see those accumulate, you, th- you realize how much plastic you go through in one year. And I, it's kind of sickening, honestly. Yeah. But it's one thing we can do to help the situation is, is a one good thing that we can pass on to somebody else. So we encourage people to help us, help us out. I love it. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah. And, and pla- the plastic, there's weird things too. Uh, you forget about like the lid to your, uh, your peanut butter container. No one likes cleaning that out, right? Yeah. But the lid's a little easier, right? Yeah. So save that lid, your laundry detergent. Um, those are big, heavy ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a teacher who brought in a huge bag of 100. You know those orange iced tea lids, those big yeah. things? Mm-hmm. Yep. She saved 100 of those for a craft, but they never did the craft at the school, and so she brought them in. It's just been cool to see people bring in bags of these things. That is awesome. Yeah. Maybe the bench idea will catch on. Maybe the park will want to do it or a school. Uh, maybe we started something. But we're going to start with one cap at a time, which will translate into to a bench. That's uh, that's awesome. I yeah. can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's cool. And we're gonna let the kids pick the color of the bench and nice. get the kids involved and yeah, all kinds of things like that. So that's awesome because they'll remember that. Yeah. Um. What well, one other thing? Uh, there's always one other thing. <laughs> uh, I can talk about books and libraries so much. And one thing that is a free resource that I give Governor Dewine credit is called the Governor's Imagination Library. And so if you have little ones, school age children. There is something called the Governor's Imagination Library, and every library in this county is a part of this. If you go to their website, I'm sure they have a link on there, or just Google Governor's Imagination Library. You sign up, you live in Tuscarawas County, your child from birth to age five will get a free book mailed to them every month until they're hit kindergarten. Really? Every month? Every month. Yeah. Okay. This is sponsored by many, many organizations and people in Tuscarawas County. The United Way is spearheading this. Um, the Literacy Coalition, um, the whole, I don't have the whole list in front of me, but a lot of good people. <laughs> a lot of them, huh? Yeah, so go uh, sign up for your child. You get a free book. And, and let's we all like getting mail when it's good stuff, right? Yeah. And this is good stuff. Say too many bills, get the yeah. good stuff. Yeah, we like getting a pack. Remember when you were a kid and you got some oh, yeah. mail? I'm still like that. I get a pack. <laughs> Even if I ordered it, I'm like, yes, it's here. So <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So let's 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 celebrate that. And the reason behind this is that kids who have books in their house are way ahead of kids who don't have books in their house. It's a good way to get them excited about, yeah, like you said, they're going to get excited about getting the package, and the package is a book. So therefore, they're getting excited about getting that book every month. Yeah, and these are popular books, books that they will know, books their parents will know. These are not obscure, self-published books these are these are well-known books mm-hmm. and so that's that's a draw it has to have good story and a good illustrations to connect to that child 
Okay. So, and that, we're excited about that. So if you have any questions, call the library, call any library, stop in and say, I want to learn more about the Imagination Library. Um, it's a great thing. This is actually started by Dolly Parton in Tennessee. And it went statewide in Tennessee and it's kind of went around the country. And this was the first year that we had uh, the state of Ohio on board. I believe we're getting close to every county in the, in the state on board. So you nice. have to have local partners to pay for it. It's about $25 per kid for a year. Okay. It gives, yep. gives them 12 bucks. So we are looking for um, donors for that. So if you, if that's something near and dear to your heart, if you, if you, um, want to learn more about how you can give and help that with that cause, you can call me at the library or uh, Robin Waltz at the, at the United Way. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that, that's what we're, we envision this podcast to be talk about library stuff, literary things. Um, we had talked before we were on the air here about uh, a new bookshop being um, mm -hmm. uh, on, on, on tap for uh, downtown Dover. Uh, we'll hopefully have that guest proprietor on here on this show for That'd another episode. Talk about uh, why it's important to have uh, books out there, how why it's important to have bookshops, and what that can mean to downtown Dover. Uh, so that those are the type of things I'm I'm thinking about as this as this evolves and grows. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, the different guests you you bring on this podcast, the different you know events and things that you're going to talk about. You know, authors from the community, uh, like you said, bestsellers. I mean, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah. we also have a. A volunteer at the library who did an interesting project. I'd like to have her on at some time. You know, uh, her name is Patty, Patty Albrecht, and Patty is a longtime reporter and um, photographer, writer, very talented. But she was a volunteer at the library for a while because she wanted to give back and help out, and she would help with outreach deliveries, homebound, so people who can't get to the mm -hmm. library. Um, if she's listening to this, she's going to say, "Hey, you better ask me first, But I'm going <laughs> to ask you if you want to come on this podcast. <laughs> Anyways. When, with her duties as a volunteer delivering materials to people who can't get to the library, she she was very uh, moved by their stories and how remarkable their stories were, meaning senior citizens. Mm -hmm. And uh, she decided to make a book about it. She, so she basically did a oral, an oral history book with residents from the inn at Northwood Village, the care facility yeah. in the north part of Dover. So the book is comprised of, of uh, various chapters, and they're all about residents and their just memories of something. Some of these are spectacular uh, they're all meaningful and powerful, and they're great read. I say that, yeah, the stories that rest in the, our senior citizen community, what a wealth of knowledge and history. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So to get those written down and to, to remind us that the treasures that we have in our families, in our lives, yeah. at church, in the community, you know, I, I, I think I encourage my boys, the three boys, um, to never take for granted the fact that there are people who have been through what you're going through and have some advice for you. So you surround yourself with good people and people who are successful yep. and who are uh, have integrity and character, and that, it, it's going to rub off on you. And so, like this book called "Tell Me a Story," it really is kind of that thing. Pass it on to the next generation. I like that title too. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the shelf life. Um, we're hoping that. Uh, this evolves and grows. We were hoping that uh, it, it is something that not just library users uh, want to listen to, but it's something that you can connect with, a way to hear about what's going on in Tuscarawas County and the Tuscarawas Valley. If you love books, you love talking about books, you love learning, um, I feel this is a way to, uh, to meet all those needs. Yep. I think this is great. I'm really excited for this podcast. Excited to work with you. And to, uh, yeah, see how this grows. I pray, hey, let's talk about how this happened, right? 
So we're at the Summit Church. This yeah. is the church that I was married in. Katie and I were married in 1999. I should know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and my mom and dad, we go to a, a, a different church now. We, we moved and uh, they invited my boys and I to a living history program. I believe it was Eisenhower, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, I think it was the Eisenhower program. So a living hit, you may, you can talk a little bit about that, about what the, what uh, the summit is trying to do with that. Maybe. Yeah. So, well, each month uh, this year anyway, so we've got November and December left. So I think two events, I don't know what it's going to be like moving into 2021, but there's a guy, Ken Hammontree from, I think he's from mass, no Ashland maybe area. And he comes down and he impersonates, I think he does 27 or so different historical characters. Um, and he gives like, historical speeches from them so like eisenhower you heard it was his address to congress maybe or something like that after the war after d-day or it wasn't after D-Day? yeah maybe after yeah, d-day. d-day yeah yeah and it was i mean it was spectacular and it's just it's a glimpse of history that you know whenever you're in school and you're going through history class and you get a you know a page or two on an event and that's it or maybe even a paragraph and then it's on to the next thing you know you you miss the details of what actually transpired so he brings that to life with these characters. It's called Living History. Um, pretty cool stuff. He does a really fine job, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. I got chills. I, I yeah. went, and I went back. To, that was on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. I went back to the library, and I got uh, Stephen Ambrose's book, D-Day, because I just wanted to, I wanted to read. I wanted to learn more about it, you know? And that's why, and a great point, bringing history to life yes. is what that is. And, that's, of course, that's the name of it. But it really does because you hear it, you experience it firsthand. Um, and so it was fun. Anyways, after that, we were talking about uh, ways um, the library could uh, get its name out. And long story short, we're here in a podcast room right now. That's so right. It was one of those good things. Yeah. Yep. So it's similar missions. The library does a lot of that stuff as well. Um, but I, re- I really encourage the community to go next time you have uh, a living historian, a living history program at the summit on Slingloaf and Dover. All are welcome there. Yep. And they always feed the food too. Yeah, so it's, it's lunch. So come and, you know, grab some lunch and learn some history. I mean, I've learned stuff. We had George Washington, uh, we did General Patton. Um, yeah, I've just, I've learned so many things from these historical events. I'm like, wow, never knew. Yeah. Never knew. And that's stuff that's going to resonate. So we've been bringing our boys and my nephew comes with my, my parents and it's just been a good thing. So, and, and. I'm going to say it. Women are welcome, too. It's not just a guy thing on a Saturday morning. <laughs> What's funny, it actually started out, the first one we did was a men's breakfast, and then it turned into a men's lunch, and then there was so much demand from everybody that were like, you know what? They, they just said, everybody just come, enjoy, and let's get together and learn some history. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys doing that. So, yeah. well, that, this is the shelf life. I, I, that may, name may change, but I think it's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. So it's... It is. It's witty. It, it, oh, it's witty. Well, thank you. You're w- <laughs> <laughs> then I looked on the Apple podcast thing and there's other ones called shelf life. And I was like, oh, well, we'll just have the best one. How's that? I think so. All right. That's, that's just how, how, how we got to do it. Yeah. that's it. <laughs> so please tune in next time. We're hoping to um, put this out. We're hoping monthly. Yep. That's kind of the plan. And we'll get this out to the community. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, guests, guest speakers, yeah. uh, people to pop in on the phone or in person, we just want, to, want this to, to live and grow and evolve. And um, that's one thing they hammered in my head. And there is actually a library science school. There's only one in Ohio. It's at Kent State University. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, see? 
So there are professional librarians and those who have their master's degree in library science. And so anyways, one of the things they, they uh, ram in your head on library science 101 is something called Ranganathan's five rules of library science. And that is, he's a, he was a thinker and a, a, one of the early educators on the principles of science of librarianship. Okay. But one of them was a library is a living organism, which I thought was just, I still have that tape to my desk <laughs> to remind me that the library is always changing, always growing, always evolving. And so Melville Dewey, you know, the Dewey Decimal System, yeah. he, he, he wouldn't know what to think of a podcast, but here we are <laughs> in 2020 in a podcast room. So we appreciate the opportunity, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like what you say about the living organism. It kind of just reminds me that every time I read a book and I read it a second time, it's usually a little bit different story. Um, and I just think that speaks to the growth of the human element. You know, you experience new things every day. So when you read something the first time or once, you're bringing your experiences to that point yeah. with you. And the next time you read the same thing, you have different experiences to fall back on that maybe change the way you look at something. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our circumstances are always different. Yeah. And that does change how you see what's going on in your life. Yep. So. Well, thank you. We appreciate you listening. And we will be back next time with The Shelf Life. Uh, this is Jim Gill and our producer, Josh All. Have a good one and keep reading. Awesome. Is that good?